Hello, this is Anora. Welcome to the Before You Quit podcast. Hey, everybody. I want to welcome you again to the Before You Quit podcast, where we want to bring courage and perspective when serving gets hard. I hope you enjoyed the little introduction that we had today by my granddaughter, Anora Michelle Kowalski. Uh, my name is Mitch Schultz. She's kind of my co-host today, although that's all that she talked about today in the introduction. Uh, but I am your host today. I'm also the director of a ministry called Fruitful Vine Ministry. Well, today it's fitting that we're going to be talking about adoption. You're probably well aware that this month is Sanctity of Life Month. It's not only a month that we focus more uh, passionately and, uh, and uniquely on the whole issue of, uh, of life. And it's not just that we are uh, seeking to stem the tide of, of abortion. But it's also a month that we talk a lot about adoption, and we need to be doing that. Well, today I have the privilege of interviewing two young pastors and their wives about their own experience with adoption. You'll find that while uh, they had similar adventures and challenges, their journeys are very unique from each other. But one thing that's very common is that their experience has been hard, unexpected, uh, full of, uh, of challenges, definitely an adventure. And before I send you that interview, I want to quote from Micah Muir, where he reminds us on how adoption is no doubt the greatest gospel illustration of what God has done for us in rescuing us and and finding us as orphans and bringing us into his family. There's just something about adoption that, uh, that tells that story, that gives us a platform to talk about that story. And uh, we really hope through this podcast that you would not only consider adoption, uh, it's not for everybody. Not everybody can do it. Uh, and not only that you would think about fostering, again, that's not for everybody, but that you would encourage your church to be proactive about this and to be talking about it, to have your leaders engaging with one another, and to really see that uh, that this is one of those areas or arenas where uh, it is one of the best ways that we can serve our community. Uh, Here's what Micah Muro writes. He says, Due to sin, we were all born as spiritual orphans. The only person ever born who was not a spiritual orphan was Jesus. God believed in our adoption so much that he sent that same Jesus, his son, to die on a cross for our sins so that our adoption would be possible. We are adopted or placed as sons or daughters where we receive the gift of salvation through Jesus Christ. Understanding our own adoption through Christ helps us realize that the adoption of orphan children on this earth is a response to God's adoption of us. Uh, Now, I will link that article in our website to see the entire uh, theme in which he talks about this. But right now, let's go ahead and jump into that interview. Jay and Sarah Mosser and also Aaron and Jennifer Santor. What a great time I had today talking with them, and I I know this will be encouraging to you. Let's jump into that interview right now. All right, we are uh, on the topic of adoption, and I have around the table here at Carnes Creek Baptist Church two couples. And why don't you guys introduce yourselves to me and tell, just share just real briefly what you do, and then we'll go ahead and jump into this really, really important topic of adoption. So let's start over here with you, Jay. Right, I'm a, or is it I, Brian? Yeah. <laughs> Inside joke. So I'm Jay Mosser. I'm the pastor here at Carnes Creek. Um, my wife, Sarah. Yep, I'm Sarah, and I stay at home with our children. We have four children, 
and the youngest is two, so she's at home with me every day. All right, and then uh, the two of them are adopted. We're going to be talking yes. about that. And over here to my right are the Santors. My name is Aaron Santor. I pastor a Grace Fellowship Tacoa uh, here in Tacoa, Georgia, and I'm also bivocational. Okay. I'm his wife, Jennifer, and I stay at home with our six kids, and I homeschool all of them except for the oldest is now in college and the TUC. Yeah, and uh, and by the way, earlier before you guys came, we just felt like there's no way you can have kids in college. <laughs> so just to let you know. Yeah. <laughs> we don't think so either. <laughs> yeah, you can't believe it either, can you? Yeah, and uh, of the six, uh, uh, two are adopted. Yeah, the okay. two. Yeah. Okay. Um, this is, this is probably one of my, at this season in life, it's probably, uh, the burden, uh, that I carry with me. And I did a podcast recently on abortion. And of course the whole topic of abortion adoption is obviously very, very interconnected. Um, and I, I've shared in that podcast that my prayer that during my lifetime I see the end of abortion, that it is no longer legal in, in our country. And of course for that to happen there has to be more conversation about adoption. And one of the things that fascinates me, which is why I brought you guys to this, you're, you're both pastors, pastor families, is the number of pastors that are adopting. I, I could name very quickly 20 people that I know uh, that are in ministry that have adopted and uh, so it's it's fascinating to me that uh, I don't know what's happening there if there's just this you know sense of uh, you know wanting to rescue that comes with being in ministry or if this is a unique calling on people's lives uh, but we'll be talking about that Let, let's just start right into this uh, Jay and and Sarah talk about your journey of adopting how it happened how you first talked about it look forward to hearing about it Okay, I'll take this one. Um, so we actually started talking about adoption when we were dating, and it was something that we both felt like the Lord had placed on our hearts separately. So when we started considering marriage, we both brought that to the table and said, this is something that we think we probably want to do one day. We didn't really know how it would unfold or what it would look like. Um, but we both knew that it was important to us. Mm -hmm. So fast forward to when we were living in Turkey, um, and our first biological daughter was born and uh, there was one night when I was rocking her late at night she was crying and I was singing to her and rocking her and the Lord just placed it on my heart all over again and really I hadn't thought about it much over those years I guess it was maybe five years since we talked about it but when she was little I just remember having this moment of God putting it on my heart and me rocking her and taking care of her and like crying and thinking there's babies out there right now that are the same age as her mm. that nobody's taken care of. And it broke my heart all over again. And I knew in that moment that we would definitely be adopting. So um, I think just learning what it looked like to take care of somebody that was that vulnerable made me want to do it for somebody that didn't have yeah. an advocate. And Sarah, the, what's fascinating is that this was uh, in, instilled in you early on. Um, how did you explain? How do you explain that? Do you do you remember understanding why you had this particular interest in adoption? That this was an important thing to talk to Jay about. I don't know. I think just that the Lord placed it on my heart early on when I was a teenager mm. because I always loved babies. I babysat very early on. I knew I wanted to have children, and I think that the Lord just put it on my heart. And Jay had thought about it too for himself and. Mm. 
I think we just kind of ran with it and yeah, I think the Lord just put it on our hearts. Yeah, you must have looked at each other and thought, she'd make a great mother, he'd make a great dad. <laughs> Absolutely. We need to adopt. This <laughs> is a no-brainer, right, Jay? <laughs> That's what I was going to say. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So what what kind of conversations did, uh, did you have that led up to when you actually did adopt? And let's hear, before we hear uh, from Jennifer and, and Aaron here, let's hear just briefly how that came about. Well, so after we had our uh, our son born here in the states, um, there was, I guess, just kind of that that season of life of trying to figure out what's next, and so Sarah kind of independently already had that in motion in her her mind and in her heart, um, and for me, I had a, a friend uh, hand a book to me, uh, Ordinary by Tony Morita, um, and the book is basically on taking care of the vulnerable, and so. Hmm. You know, you, you read this this book, and as a as a pastor, somebody in the ministry, you basically spend time doing nothing but staring at how does the gospel work its way into your life. And so that book does a really good job of trying to make it really obvious that this is God's heartbeat, taking care of taking care of people. And so one of the emphasis in the book is if you're a follower of Christ, this should be something that you're wrestling with in some capacity. And then Sarah kind of brought it back up and. It was just kind of very well timed, um, independently, um, from what God was doing in her heart versus how He was leading me. And so when she brought it up, it was just kind of let's move forward. And so we we kind of already knew somebody that was uh, involved in um, the private adoption agency world, and so we got some input, picked a uh, um, an avenue, and just kept going one step at a time. Okay, and when, uh, when did that happen, and which child uh, was the one that was adopted? So it was right after Luke was born. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> He's our second biological mm-hmm. child. Yeah, and so we uh, right after that kind of season of things kind of started to calm down, we, we started looking at the adoption paperwork, and then it's a, it's a two-year process. Mm-hmm. Uh, for, it was for us, at least. And so we kind of just started filling out the paperwork and wanted to see what would happen, and... Um, went from there and uh, so uh, our youngest now Malia we we did a, um, a an adoption arrangement where it's an open semi-open adoption and we we were there when uh, or we got the call when she was being born and so we, we mm-hmm. picked up and threw everybody in the car and drove over to Alabama where she was born and now when uh, you say everybody the whole family, the whole family. went oh, with no. you mm-hmm. yeah, we stayed in Alabama for a couple weeks um, because of just some of the, the requirements legally. Yeah. Um, and so we were we were all over there, and uh, and the church was good to allow me to be able to be gone for that amount of time. So Yeah. Okay. All right, we'll come back to a lot of that, because I know there's also, uh, you know, someone else that is in the process here, so we'll be asking you to share what that journey's been like for you. Um, and by the way, Jay, I, I, you remember this, I interviewed you for my podcast maybe a year and a half ago. You, you mentioned Turkey, Sarah. Uh, you, you served in Turkey for a number of years, and uh, that podcast was about that experience. So just to remind people that they can go back and uh, if they feel like they haven't had enough of Jay in this <laughs> interview, you can go back and listen to more. Uh, so um, Aaron and, and Jennifer, tell us your story. It's a little bit more... Uh, extensive than than what we've heard here so far. You you've had quite an adventure, and mm-hmm. so yeah. tell us tell us a little bit about that journey. Um, 
Yeah, so we we too also when when before when before we were married, uh, adoption was on our hearts. Um, but uh, through the course of life, we had four biologicals, and uh, that sounds funny. To say. <laughs> we had four biological children, and um, science experience. Yeah. <laughs> Four biological children, and uh, we were we were completely content, and, mm-hmm. and we were quite happy. Uh, but then uh, the Lord started burdening Jennifer's heart uh, first, which I think is typical from stories mm. that we've read of other people. That um, you know, usually the that, that mother heart uh, usually is the first to to move. And um, I I wrestled with it for a long time, even though I, I knew I was like, well, we have the capacity and, and the willingness to, but. Mm. Uh, we were starting to get more involved with our church and more involved in ministry. And so the question on my mind was, um, is this the good thing that God has got, called us to do? Out of all the good things we could do, mm-hmm. is, is does he want us to invest our time in this? He would tell me, he would say, okay, there's there's tons of good things that God would call us to, you know, that we could do, you know, to, to follow the Lord. He goes, but we need to hear and we need to know which one it is. And yeah. I was like, this is it. It's adoption. <laughs> no, I got to hear. Yeah. But it was always, that was always, that's always been his thing. There's a bunch of things we can do as believers. What is it that we're actually called yeah. to? Mm-hmm. You know. So that was, uh, that was a process of how long that you all... Was that before Dialogue. or after I read? I had read a book with the kids. I was reading to them a book. Actually, it was really cool. It was called Always Enough by Heidi Baker. Mm-hmm. She was over in Africa for mm-hmm. a while, and she didn't actually adopt, I don't believe, but no. she was working with the kids in the, mm-hmm. in, in the, um, in the trash heaps and stuff mm-hmm. like that. And so I was reading it with the kids. I had already been talking about it, I think, and then the kids and I read the book. <clears throat> the kids said, oh, we, we want to adopt. Let's let's get a sibling. And I said, well, you got to pray that Daddy will hear that because Mommy's all on board and I have been Yeah, you long. were being pretty strategic. <laughs> yeah. hey, hey, kids, talk, gang right. up on Dad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it was cool. What was cool is that one of our kids said, well, I think you finally did yeah. say, okay, I don't remember how that I, even worked I, out. I, we were at church one day and there was oh, another right. family that was, that was adopted in, in the process as well. And they weren't trying to press anything. They were just sharing their story. Uh, but I just felt like the Lord spoke to me while they were sharing, uh, just that, you know, Aaron, I've, I've put this capacity in you because I desire it to be mm-hmm. filled. And that was it. That was, that was all I needed to know. It was like, oh, okay. It was the most, it was so, the most anticlimactic thing you've ever experienced. <laughs> like I've been waiting forever to be like, we can adopt. And he gets in the car and we drive home and he goes, Hey honey, why don't we just adopt? I'm like, what are you talking about? Like, are you serious? Are you messing with me? What? Like, don't mess Were you with expecting me. some kind of reveal party? I don't know. I was expecting something huge. Like, thus saith the Lord. I don't know. And he was just like, yeah, let's adopt. And so, and it, and the, and the one thing that came with that was one of our kids. It was there's it, it, all of them were on board except for one. She was holding. Mm. She's for some reason she just like, nah, not interested. And we and knew we couldn't do it unless we were all on board. Yeah, I was going to ask. It was important to you. Yeah, that, you super know. important. Everything we do, we do as a family, and we all have to be on board. So, but. Yeah. Then she finally came around and said, "Okay, we can adopt a little brother, but he has to. He had to like ate out of the trash." Mm-hmm. And so we're like, "Okay, because, I will, because of the book that we because of the book, book we read, we're like, well, how so do we that... how do we find that out?" So that's when we 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 had already we had tried the U.S. route, and we won't go into that, but we just basically were turned down. That don't don't bother unless you're fostering. Don't we don't mm. have time for you? So we said, "All right, we'll do international." And then at that point, then we said, "We got to find the poorest country we can find." Mm. Um, in in a in a um, Caucasian-looking mm-hmm. kind of world, because just that—that that was just where we felt we needed to mm-hmm. do for us. And um, anyway, so then we found, um, actually, we found Albania, and we started that process, and it lasted way too long. And then in the process, they closed that program, and mm-hmm. Bulgaria opened up. But that's a long. Story. All right. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. so tell us just briefly about the connection with Bulgaria. Who? 
who you ended up adopting from there, how long that took, and uh, and then you had a second one mm -hmm. uh, that you more recently adopted. Mm -hmm. So tell tell us that. And then what I'd like to do once you're finished sharing with that is have both of you share, uh, you know, more more specifically how the rest of the family mm -hmm. adjusted, you know, received and then adjusted mm -hmm. to. Yeah. Uh, new family members. Yeah. Uh, so like she said, we were uh, felt led to Albania, and everything was lining up. And then uh, the on the Albania side of things, they just shut their doors. Mm -hmm. um, so we just moved to Bulgaria. Um, we started in two thousand and eight. Yeah. And our home study, a home study in international, is not to last more than three to four months. It's mm -hmm. supposed to be done, and ours took. It was a taking a year. We had no idea why it took mm -hmm. a year. And then it, then all of a sudden, right in, as it's almost done, they say, oh, the program closed. Mm. And we say, okay, well, like, we actually, we were on, I was on the way to a women's retreat, and uh, we found out that news, and literally minutes, I said, okay, honey, love you, uh, have a great weekend, mm -hmm. we don't even get to discuss this now, our hearts are broken, the country mm. we wanted was done, we just had to go, and I had to go off and be at a women's retreat, and he stayed home with the kids for the weekend, and we just had to process that separately, which was not the way we do things yeah. <laughs> but anyway so yeah i've never heard any story of adoption where it was scripted and went exactly no no, no. no. you never. thought it would and, uh, no. we moved to i mean every country has different requirements mm -hmm. on, a, mm -hmm. on a family and so um we just moved to the next country that seemed to be the best fit uh which was uh, bulgaria, bulgaria. Mm -hmm. um we you know pursued a number of different uh children that that came and none of them really fit or were um were, were ended up working out for us um, but we switched we, agencies because of that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, and, um, and that was the best thing we ever did. Yeah, they got our got our home study done right away, and then um, we got one uh, a referral for one boy, and we said, "Well, we're, we've got some questions. Could we get more information?" And so we waited and waited and waited, and all of a sudden they sent us information, and we're so excited. We open up the the email, and it's all this information, but it's about a completely different child. Mm. And uh, we said, "Well, we don't know about that first one, but we feel like this is mm. a, this is a yes." And we found out later on through a, a number of different circumstances, basically we were the only couple in the world that had this boy's information. Um, and that's our, that's our youngest. So we have got four, uh, we've got yeah, uh, three daughters and our youngest biological is a, is a boy. And then we adopted a little boy, Andrew from, from Bulgaria. And um, we had his file. So. They told us when we went to go pick him up that his file was only available in the U S for that one month that before he was uh, only adopted a bull in um, Bulgaria, and then that didn't work. They listed him with uh, with the U.S. and then dis or uh, actually international, and then decided he was healthier than they thought. And mm -hmm. so after that month, they were taking him off the international, and they were going to stick him back on the mm -hmm. Bulgarian domestic side. So we had a one month window. We had no idea. We he just came him. right to us, and um, so it was just the it was just the hand of the Lord. Okay, so that's creating. Andrew. He's mm -hmm. thirteen. Yeah. yeah, and you. Uh, and that was two thousand and ten. We brought him home, so that was just a two year process. Okay. Yeah. Yes, and then Donnie is our our youngest now, and she was from Bulgaria as well, mm -hmm. but it started off four years ago with Peru, and that was just a mess. Yeah. <laughs> that was so a very we, hard... We, we had a child picked out. Actually, it took me probably another two or three years to convince him again that we were going to adopt Yeah, I, emotionally, it must wear at you. It does. Uh, the roller coaster. Do you think... Um, I'll, I'll throw this to you, Sarah or, or Jay. Do you, do you feel the... The waiting, knowing it takes a long time, discourages people from considering adoption. Absolutely. 
And that really is one of the hardest parts about adoption is that you go into it knowing that it's going to take a long time, but you secretly hope that it's not. Mm -hmm. You just think that like, well, we're going to be different for some reason and they're just going to pick us right away. And that's not how it worked Mm -hmm. for us. We had, um, we adopted from the States. And so it was different than an international one, but even that took us two years. Mm -hmm. So we would see all these profiles come through. There were no pictures, but we would get basically like a letter saying, this is the circumstance of the birth mother. This is what's going on. Here's a little bit of information. There wasn't much to go off of. Um, And we had basically agreed that we would say yes to anything we saw unless we just knew that medically speaking, it was something that we couldn't handle. Mm -hmm. So over that two year period, we said yes to everything except for one little boy that we knew we couldn't take care of. Um, Cause at the time we, we had a one-year-old and a three-year-old when we started the adoption process. Mm-hmm. So we knew that we couldn't handle this particular situation. Um, but every other one that we saw, we said yes to. And then when we got our daughter that we have, Malia, the one that we adopted, we got hers and we were scared to death because things on hers were very intimidating. And we almost said no. We looked at hers and we were like, what do you think? I don't know. This one scares us to death. Mm. But we agreed that we would say yes to everything that we could. So we said yes. And the birth mother picked us almost right away. And we were mm. terrified. Mm-hmm. So, but, but she is the one that God wanted in our uh, family. Yeah. Being, being hesitant or terrified, is that some of that because it's the first time for you and it's so uncertain? I or? think it was just what was put in the... Yeah. Mm-hmm. They give you the, the information. Yeah, information. the background information yeah. that we and were they given. Give you, and then there's some holes in it. And yeah. they say, hey, we don't know these things. Yep. There was so, a lot of unknowns and the knowns were scary. Yeah. I'll just put it that mm-hmm. way. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it's definitely a turnoff for people looking to adopt, knowing that you have to wait. And the process is... Yeah. Is excruciating sometimes. Mm-hmm. Especially if you're looking at it in terms of doing this in if you can't have biological children, mm-hmm. which is a you know a nine month you know process. If you're looking for something to kind of be that same time frame, mm-hmm. this adoption just yeah. isn't it a lot of times. Yeah, it's almost like you have to expect it to to not go at all the way you <laughs> hope it yeah. will, which is, has to be part of the process. What Sarah was saying as far as like, you know, you, you think you're going to be different every time because mm-hmm. they tell you up front, this is like a two to four year period on average, mm-hmm. but you still kind of think, well, I'm doing this because God wants me to. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm probably going to be like, I'm going to get a quicker yeah. time. Yeah. <laughs> well, we're, you guys are about to be amazed. Yeah. 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 Interesting. That's what happened with us in Peru because everything flew. I mean, our dossier was in the country and matter of months and <coughs> things were flying. We were like, God, you are doing something giant. Little did we know our dossier got there earlier, which meant there was someone in the States who had allegedly abused their Peruvian children. So Peruvian government got word of that and shut down all adoptions just as our paperwork got there. Perhaps if ours got there a little later, we would have been approved, but that's because it am- came right at the wrong that's time. That's amazing, it's Jennifer. Yeah. Wow. And that, again, that's not something that's advertised mm-hmm. and, and yeah. told to expect. Yeah, no, and our agency thought we were like the best people to put forward mm-hmm. for Peru, and they were like, they called us crying. We're so sorry we mm-hmm. need to tell you this, but... Yeah. It's a very... People, I don't think they realize sometimes how volatile uh, the whole process is where one little story over here can affect... You know, an entire yeah. country's decision. Yeah, on, on, right. you know, I've heard I've heard of that several times where they'll shut down the yeah. the mm-hmm. entire system or process because of one particular incident. Yeah. Uh, and you alluded, I think, a little bit to the 
you know, the information not matching what you mm. actually see. And I, it, uh, I shared with you guys, and, and I think I've shared with you guys before that we, uh, we took custody of a couple kids um, whose mom died of cancer and had them for seven, eight years. And when they had left, I had still this sort of, uh, you know, longing to uh, rescue kids or to, and it's, it's, still, it's still there. Um, and I remember going online and looking at the profile of kids that are fostered, and, and it's, it sounds like they're the healthiest kids and come, you know, have the amazing <laughs> gifts and interests. And even the commercials that you hear for fostering <laughs> make it sound like these kids are just begging to be in a home and it's going to be great and healthy. And it's often not that way, and particularly with fostering. And I know, Jay, you and, and Sarah have done some fostering. Do you want to talk a little bit about the, what that story was, has been like? And, and then also, and then let's talk about how the other kids reacted, settled with the adopted child in the home. Well, when we were preparing to adopt uh, Malia, because she was a baby, it was, it was a completely different scenario. Uh, in terms of the way that the other kids responded. Mm -hmm. um, Luke and, and Bailey, our two biological children, were you know, all on board. They mm -hmm. were excited. They could get prepared for it. Um, it was going to be a baby. So mm -hmm. you know, the, to them, the, the only mystery was boy, girl, and, and, and skin what color. color. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and we were, she's, she's a pale as a ghost. <laughs> we basically prepared them for everything but her. We were like, this baby's probably going to look different, have, you know, brown skin, brown hair, dark eyes. That, that was like that was the 99% majority. Yes. of the profiles yeah. we saw. The, mm -hmm. Yeah, and so, here she comes, just as white as can be, with those blue eyes you've ever yeah. seen. And we she were like, beautiful. whoa, we did not expect this. Mm. <laughs> but then, um, but so for for that setup, the kids were, were well prepared. Mm -hmm. um, now the our current adoption process, um, we did not anticipate it because it was not something that we pursued because uh, it wasn't uh, wasn't even an, an option on the table. Well, um, we had always talked about <coughs> how when our children grew up and were out of the house that we wanted to foster teenagers mm -hmm. because we'd worked with teenagers and we're not afraid of teenagers like a lot of people. Um, and it was funny because we had brought Malia home. She was five months old, and this opportunity just kind of fell into our laps. And it was one of those moments where it was like, what are you going to do? Here's this need. Are you going to obey, or mm -hmm. are you going to be afraid and mm -hmm. turn away and let somebody else handle it? Yeah. And so we were like, well, yeah, we're going we're gonna to go into this. And we yeah. weren't planning to do it, but God was like, you're going to foster teens right now, mm -hmm. actually. And we were like, okay. So at the time, our kids were five months three years and five years old mm -hmm. and yeah so, so yeah, that's we, how we entered into the situation with mm -hmm. our son yeah the the matter of obedience is really interesting and i i love how you all <coughs> check to see how the other children responded because you you want this to be a family thing it's not just parents adopting the yeah. family is adopting mm -hmm. yeah and uh we we did that too when these two kids were when the mom asked us to take the kids we said well yes but first let's check with uh brianna and brett see if they're okay with it and their reaction was well you have to yeah you know so it's a it's a yeah and this and, and this is not to say that god is placing this on every heart mm -hmm. um i but i'd like to stretch our thinking that maybe more people should see this as a, a biblical obligation. Uh, there's some theology behind this as well that we'll look at in just uh, just a few minutes. But yeah, go so fostering. <laughs> so the when the situation became uh, a situation where we could be a part of of being an answer for the problem, we had a 
so we had um, a phone call from one of the uh, kids in our youth group saying, hey, my, uh, my sibling is in a situation where they need, they need a place to go. And so we, we made a few phone calls, and because we had just done the adoption with Malia, we already we still had a, a home study, and so it was a very quick process. Mm-hmm. And our intention up front was let's just let's get this this individual into a safe place, and then let's figure it out from there. Um, and so the sibling came and uh, stayed with us just just initially just for the weekend. We were we were not really like sure what it was going to look like, mm-hmm. um, but all the other siblings, there were there several of them, stayed the the weekend with us just to basically take care of, of, of this one. All five of them spent <coughs> the whole weekend with us. Wow. On wow. But then at the end of the weekend, um, Ben, our, the one that we're in the process of adopting, uh, decided that he wanted to hang out a little longer. So he stayed. And, <laughs> and stayed. Hasn't, and stayed. Hasn't left yet. <laughs> and then school needed to get started up. And so mm-hmm. he was still at the house and we were, we were taking the other, uh, the other one to go get, um, enrolled in school. And, uh, he came came along. Sarah got him enrolled in school too, and um, and then he went. We dropped him back off at his house, um, and then the next weekend he was like, "Hey, can I come back over?" And he's been here for about two years now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so uh, we've, in terms of like how our other kids even were were being prepared there, um, they've been wonderful in terms of like how they see family Mm -hmm. um, being very flexible uh, being able to say you know we want to take care of people Um, and so it's never been an issue of of uh, any bitterness for them the the struggle for us has been more about how we parent um, in terms of how we do time management with the kids Um, (coughs) just making sure that we we give enough attention to Mm -hmm. everybody based on how they're doing, they're, where they're at in life, and developmentally what they need. Um, and so it's, it's, been a, it's been a stretching experience. Mm-hmm. It's been a, a, you know, we did not anticipate this part of life being like this, but it's, it's been a real blessing. Mm. Uh, for you guys, um, Aaron and, and Jennifer, uh, you're, you adopted the, the two when they were older. Uh, yeah, four years yeah. old was the first one. He came home as a four-year-old, mm-hmm. and our second one came home as a nine-year-old. Yeah, and, and I imagine came with the, the huge need for to adjust themselves. Yeah. Uh, four-year-old I'm sure wasn't as difficult. And our son, our next son in line was only ten months mm-hmm. older than him, so it was like raising twins for a little yeah. while. Yeah. Um, and then after a few years, we started to realize there was some delays in some yeah. areas. But yeah. it took us probably probably five years before we even saw some of those. Um, but that went that went really kind of smooth. Everybody was ready for him. Yeah. They were so excited. They We went and met him. Um, we had to do Bulgaria. You go for 10 days, meet the child, say that you definitely want them, and then four to six months later, you go back and bring him home with you. Mm-hmm. Uh, you spend 10 more days in their country with them while you're getting their passport, and then you come home. And um, so when we came home after the first trip, they watched his videos and every picture mm. we had over and over. Mm-hmm. They memorized everything about him and everything that where he was for the whole next, I think it was five months for him or six months mm-hmm. for him. But, yeah. yeah. And and with the younger, the one you recently adopted, your entire family had the chance to yeah. go and yeah. to Bulgaria, which yeah. uh, no doubt was helpful. Yes, and it was. So how, how have the others uh, adjusted to Donnie? being in the home they've they've done i mean i think um 
they've done really well. And um, we've, we, to, to back that up a little bit, we, we, we took time, uh, first of all, just in raising them um, to, to instill just, mm-hmm. uh, you know, they, part of our family culture is, is not looking to your own interests, but also to the interests mm-hmm. of others. And so uh, we've got no problem, you know, teaching them and giving them opportunities to uh, think outside of themselves and it's okay for them to sacrifice and, and give up some things and all that. Um, but and we made sure they were on board. Uh, but we also gave them realistic expectations in, mm-hmm. in, in trying to explain to them, listen, this, this child that's coming in has never had a family before. So the idea of that it's wrong to go into your room and take something mm-hmm. is, is they don't Foreign. know that. Mm-hmm. And so that was help, survival for, yeah, for yeah, them. Yeah, exactly. And so they, they understand on their, on their level, you know, what this, what this actually means. They've got that kind of as a, a framework. Uh, but we also gave them permission to to express frustration, mm-hmm. hurt, yeah. uh, anger, all of that. Nothing was off the table. And we gave them complete freedom That's to do really that, and, and it's made mm-hmm. sure we spent time checking in with them, and saying, you know, how's your relationship with your brother? How's mm-hmm. your relationship with your sister? What's going on in in your world? And I think giving them that freedom, and then um, you know, making sure that we gave them time, um, where you know, especially well, it was with Andrew's uh, adoption, we started setting up individual date time mm-hmm. so that they would have one-on-one time with Jen or myself, and and we got a chance just to connect with them in their hearts and make sure that they were, they were doing doing okay. Because like you said, it's it's not just Jen and I adopting; it's they're they're mm-hmm. adopting a sibling as well, and we wanted them to to fully adopt. And it's going to change the dynamic of the family. And the yeah. whole family has to be prepared for yeah. that. Mm-hmm. You know, the the question is how. How best you prepare your family for that? Would there be a general uh, guideline that you each would offer to, you know? I think one thing, of course, and please add to this, would be let the family be involved in the process. Mm-hmm. That obviously is one way, but any anything else that you would recommend? I think if you can keep the birth order. Yeah. the way that it was That's and we, we couldn't with the second situation mm-hmm. oh now, interesting with, with mm. the first one yeah. um it was the same because mm. our daughter was born first then our son and then we adopted a baby yep. so everybody kept their birth order um the second go round, it was two that were older mm-hmm. coming in and that did disrupt some yeah. like mm-hmm. i don't even know how to some, roles yeah, yeah some roles were disrupted and a little confused yeah. and um yeah, you got to throw and the birth order book away, don't you? Yeah, <laughs> the birth order thing was just kind of like, ooh, okay. Kevin um, Lehman. <laughs> yeah, there's a little bit of head button going on yeah, here. Yeah, interesting. So if you can keep the birth order the same, do it. Mm-hmm. Obviously, that's not always feasible. Yeah. yeah. But just be prepared to expect that there might be some issues yeah. there if you can't keep yeah. it Yeah, that, that's really same. great, Sarah. And I know for you guys, the Santors, you, uh, for the older adopted uh, one having another one come from the same country mm-hmm. probably was an adjustment for him, wasn't it? So he's More 13 we years old. Yeah. We were not yeah. expecting that. He was super excited to... Well, at first he was did not want anyone from his country because mm-hmm. we were doing Peru, but I think it was more to, to do with they had fallen in love with this little girl for two years and yeah. his heart was broken. So then, then we said, okay, we're going to do Bulgaria. And then there was fear, um, which we did not even think about, mm-hmm. but fear that if we, because we talked about going there together as a family, mm-hmm. suddenly there was fear, what if I go there and my birth family finds me and steals me? And we were like, oh my gosh, we never wow. even thought to address any of that kind of stuff. Wow. Like you're, they don't even know who you are. Your name's changed and everything. Um, and then... Um, and then, then we worked it out and we talked about it and just still did not realize that that was going to be, that's other than when she first came home, we had some really hard times, 
Um, everything after six months later, for some reason, has been, well, because of Jesus, because everybody's mm-hmm. been praying, has been amazing. But our biggest struggle now is the the, the tension between them. Yeah. And yeah. it has a lot to do with he was the youngest, mm-hmm. um, so he got displaced, which you don't think about. You think birth order, you're going to do the youngest next. But he'd been the youngest for nine years, so suddenly he's displaced. Yeah. And, and, and it sounds like you're also indicating that his whole his own history came back. Yes. And yes. wondered if it would affect him again. Yeah. This uh, I didn't ask you guys to talk about this, but it, it's uh, in fact I just thought about it. It fascinates me that uh, you know the old school idea of adoption is you wait until they're older to tell them they're mm-hmm. adopted. Uh, now that conversation should be happening naturally, really early. In yeah. fact, I I heard that in a podcast the other day, and I thought, oh my goodness, I, mm-hmm. I I still was assuming it was like okay, you wait until they're ready. Um, and this does bring up the point of of ha- helping them to grow up, appreciating their their heritage. How do you do that? I mean, how will you do that with little Malia, and how have you guys done that? Well, for us, because one of the motivating factor in starting adoption was the gospel, mm-hmm. um, we continue to kind of want to celebrate that as nice. this is this is a natural response to how you become a part of God's family. Mm-hmm. You know, this is <laughs> so for um, Malia. Uh, we we hope that that's going to be something that she's able to to grasp and appreciate. Um, and for our biological children, we want them to be able to also see that that's. That's how you become God's children mm-hmm. um, is through adoption as well. And so it, we want it to be ingrained everywhere we can mm-hmm. uh, in their thinking. So it's not ever like a, uh, a shock or a surprise. And then just logistically, it's, it's helpful for her to make sense of um, just distinctions between, you know, looking different, you know, if she's. Uh, doesn't have a certain family trait that the mm-hmm. others have or, you know, just little things that we want to try and mm-hmm. um, help her make adjustments as they need to be made as she gets older. And for you guys, uh, the Santors, culturally, uh, keeping them connected with their their place of heritage, uh, is that something... Um, it's it's that's actually I know we talked about the language thing the other day you know that we're yeah, not probably it's, yeah I was gonna say if you if you if you look out on blogs adoption. and that sort of thing there's there's a lot of debate over yeah, over this yeah. and what we've found is that there's actually some unhealthy attachment hmm. issues okay interesting with, you have to balance with this that. former culture yeah. and really to attach to us yeah. means that they have to become American it means yeah. they have to become Santors it means you know it's they. Um, and so, I, and that's that's probably not. Uh, and there's somebody out there who, who may disagree with that. Tons. And that's lots of people. Yeah, but well, but you're the parents, so it's your call. Yeah, right? yeah. And, and you felt like that was best given. Yeah, I mean, even you know. with Andrew, right off the bat, we noticed like we were trying to serve him and and speak in broken Bulgarian, very little that we knew, just to try and help comfort him. That was mm-hmm. our heart. We had a little but, photo book of the people that were in the in the orphanage with him, like the caretakers, so that mm-hmm. he could, you know, we wanted to keep his keep him connected or whatever. And, we just started realizing that whenever we would bring it up, mm. or we just noticed mm. that there's just an attitude shift in him yeah. uh, that was really was that not, recommended by others professionally or by no, the not necessarily, but it's just kind of this thought out yeah, there of, yeah, and it's really in in our area, there's there's not a Bulgarian community yeah. around, and yeah. so for us to it, it's just as. Um, Maybe uh, unreasonable to expect us to take up Bulgarian culture yeah. when we yeah. are not you Bulgarians. Yeah, 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 we're, yeah, really so, interesting. Um, uh, so in the, so in that, those are some of just the, the factors that went into that decision mm-hmm. as far as that. But we do we've never 
um, uh, it is, I guess, as, as Jay was saying, it's part of their story, mm -hmm. and we've never, um, uh, we, we obviously, there are certain parts of their story that when they have questions, and we'll share with them, but, you know, as we, we don't hide it necessarily, mm -hmm. and we just, we help them to see it again, as you said, Jay, in light of the gospel yeah. and what God yeah. has done and, and look at the work he did. And we didn't take life. it all away. Like, we don't mm -hmm. celebrate their holidays, but it's, if you know some other cultures, I mean, some of their holidays are not, <clears throat> they're so far from the Lord, you don't want to yeah. be celebrating yeah. them, so you really can't. And that's a big problem. But then, but we didn't take, like, we took it away for a season so we could find that attachment. Mm -hmm. And then we realized we could pull some of this stuff back out. And maybe and then as they get okay. older, you, yes. you can figure So we have pictures of Bulgaria thing. on our walls that okay. are from the trips okay. we've been we've on. Kept and the picture book and we've got little so they... original outfits that um, <laughs> our son wouldn't wear. He would not wear. He was opposed. And our daughter mm -hmm. can't wait to wear, which she sits in it. So. Yeah, yeah so. I, I, I agree with that. Like, I think it depends on the child and how old they are when they come into your home and everything. So for Malia, we have a picture book with her birth mother, birth grandfather, birth sister, mm -hmm. aunts, people that were at the hospital when she was born. And we let her look at it because I started noticing when she was like one and a half, she really liked to look at pictures. Mm -hmm. So I just made her a little picture book that she carries around and she'll look at it and we'll just say, oh, you know, I call her birth mother by her first name mm -hmm. and I'll say, that's Miss Lauren, you mm -hmm. know, this is, this is who that is. And we just kind of talk about it. But and she knows she can look at the picture of her birth mother and say that's Miss Lauren. But you know, as she gets older, we'll be able to explain it a little bit better. But she actually, we did take her to meet her birth mother, mm -hmm. which was not originally part of what we planned. Mm -hmm. We adopted her, mm -hmm. but her birth mother wanted to do that, and so we ended up agreeing to that. And it was kind of hard for Malia. Like when she was there, she did really great, and then that night she mm -hmm. had. She was really clingy. She cried a lot. She just wasn't herself. Mm. So we've decided to wait until she's a little bit older. But a lot of that you don't know yeah. until you're in the middle of it mm -hmm. and saying, True. "Ooh, this works." Or, and is this her mother work. wanting to continue? She does having, want to continue. She's at, but she's getting asked, space, though. She's not. Yes, and we've it told her, her. She doesn't know our last name, and yeah. you know, okay. she doesn't know gotcha. exactly where we live, and those types of things. Um, so you have to proceed with caution. Yeah. But yeah. at the same yeah. time. Malia was adopted as a newborn, so for her to have a little picture book, she mm -hmm. doesn't come with already the things history. in her mind, yeah, mm -hmm. yeah mm -hmm. like the traumatic history that maybe older children might come into care yeah. with. Yeah. So. yeah, and of course, part of the gospel too is is rescue, but also new identity. Yep. Yeah, right. Yep. And, and so you're you. able to instill that. Yeah. You know, that's what we've seen as as far as even uh, you know the whole walk of sanctification is yeah. you have to leave these things yeah. behind yeah. to become something brand new yeah. and yeah. and that's it's just a, it's a profound picture yeah uh, but yeah i'm sure adoption comes up a lot of sermon illustrations yes. yeah guys <laughs> Tons. probably too much yeah. <laughs> too much yeah. we've heard that one <laughs> uh, uh, so since we're talking about pastors and adopting uh, churches will have a role in this uh, sometimes practically sometimes emotionally and knowing a little bit about both your stories i think there there has been a bit of both of that so uh, t really two parts to this question. What was the the role of the church in preparation for this? And then uh, since then, um, uh, how, what have, uh, how important has the church been? Uh, crucial, vital, uh, essential. Uh, it's... Um, we would have died without him in the we, beginning. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. This time, mm -hmm. the first one. Yeah, especially the, I mean, um, 
they were they were very support. We're fortunate because we know not everybody has this story, but they were very supportive of us with Andrew's adoption, and so mm-hmm. they would come out to all our fundraisers. They would participate, and uh, whatever we you know we needed them to do. Um, with with Donnie's, we went through uh, some really difficult mm-hmm. difficult days, and uh, and so they would bring us meals twice a week. Uh, we felt uh, tangibly that the covering in prayer yeah. uh, over over some of those those struggles. And uh, and have, have, have witnessed just dramatic uh, transformation, um, and um, you know they just sometimes uh, even in some of those difficult days. Uh, I, I remember leaving the house one morning, going, "I got to go to work." My wife's, mm-hmm. you know, she's going to be facing just a lot of trouble. And I just just uh, one of those thoughts that's sort of a prayer that goes up, Lord. You know, she just needs somebody to come and visit mm-hmm. her. Uh, but not knowing who to call and just somebody being led by the Lord just to say, mm-hmm. hey, I'm just going to come over today, not to counsel you, not to, mm-hmm. you know, just not to your gripe. I'm mm-hmm. just going to be here and, mm-hmm. and we'll just hang out. And so even so, so in those ways, they've, mm-hmm. they've we've had several families in our church adopt internationally. So there's a handful that really know that mm-hmm. what goes on with that, too. So it was so they're even more they're I don't know, they, but they've walked. It, they've walked the same yeah, path yeah. and so they come along and you get and you know we're getting text messages with scriptures or hey we've been praying for you for this and mm-hmm. um and then we also wrote up a messenger message that we would update people with and just would get so much encouragement there that just was amazing so nice yeah. nice what about for you guys i know there's been a lot of practical help you have a parsonage or a manse <laughs> what do we call it these mm-hmm. days parsonage we next door parsonage. to the parsonage yeah. <laughs> okay. the home yeah, yeah so one thing that they did for us um after we had we had five kids and we got three of them within mm-hmm. five months of each other mm-hmm. so um we had lots of change really quickly and so for the first four months that we had all seven of us over in the parsonage uh we were all on top of each other mm-hmm. Just like nobody had privacy, nobody mm. had space, and we were like, "Oh my word, we can't do this very much longer." And so, like, it was just really hard. And so, the church decided that they would actually build two bedrooms in the basement wow. of our parsonage. Oh, wow. So they did that for us, which mm. was amazing. So then we could all kind of have our space. You know, teenagers want some yeah. privacy mm-hmm. too. Mm-hmm. We all were just on top of each other, like I said, for about four or five months there. And so that was a huge blessing for us, for them to be able to build those rooms for them. Awesome. And we could kind of all get some space yeah. and privacy. Nice, <laughs> nice. Yeah. I love that. I love that. Yeah, the, the church was helpful in terms of like the, the leading up to, especially with Malia, because there was there was more of like, you know, the fundraising type mm-hmm. things. And mm-hmm. we had people come out to uh, to support us in those efforts. And in the church locally, you know, Carnes Creek was good in that sense. And then we had we had a lot of support from other churches as mm-hmm. well. Like our um, home church mm-hmm. that we came mm-hmm. from mm-hmm. and things and then, like that. You know, First Baptist here in town let us mm-hmm. do a, uh, a yard sale type wow. thing in their parking lot. And, and my home church let us do and, one too yeah. in Gainesville. Nice. So we had we had a help from the the church, you know, bigger than yeah. just, just a local yeah, the, church. Yeah, yeah the yeah. Ch- church at large was mm-hmm. very yeah. supportive. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. Well, we uh, we talked about the gospel. Uh, you know, I had some questions, and I think we've covered this well. Uh, you know, this is this is part of what's important to me with is this is part of the Great Commission. Yeah. Um, you know, how, how can someone older, for example, who feels like I can't go overseas anymore, maybe we've done that. Uh, well, you can you can rescue kids, you know, and you and the impact of the gospel uh, to even the next generations from doing that, I think, is is uh, uh, is unknown, but um, but but no doubt remarkable what the outcome will be. 
Um, so I, I wanted to talk about, uh, I sent you guys an article, and it, it was, I think, really an insightful article, but three common objections people might have to adoption, and I'm just going to read each one and just have you give like a shotgun uh, answer to each. So the first one is we don't have enough money. Uh, so, uh, Jennifer, what do you say about that? If God calls you to adopt, if you actually hear him say, do this, he will provide every penny. Mm-hmm. Two adoptions, <laughs> $37,000 a piece. We did not pay a dime of mm-hmm. it. Everything was covered. No debt, no borrowing, no nothing. God provided every penny. Wow. Like, wow. miraculously. Wow. Yeah, and it's like people saying, well, you know, we're going to wait to have kids. We're going to wait to have enough money before we have children. You'll never You're will. never going to have children. <laughs> yeah, you never will. Never <laughs> or when I, when I do premarital counseling, it's like, well, we'll get married when we have enough, yeah. when we know we have enough money. You're never going to get <laughs> no. married. Yeah. I actually talked a couple into just, just do it. You're, yeah. You know, so what if you don't have enough money? I, I mean, think a lot of times that's the number one reservation. Mm-hmm. That was sure, ours. Sure. Like when we started. Yeah, and it needs to be. It, it yeah. needs to be fact. When we started course. that conversation for real, we were like, "What's holding us back at this mo- at this moment?" Mm-hmm. And it was mm-hmm. finances. I mean, we were at the time we started. We were on a youth pastor salary with a mortgage, car payment, all our bills. We had two very small children, and I was staying at home. And we're like, "There's like no way that mm-hmm. we could afford to do this," yeah. but God did and he provided and he gave us wisdom on how to raise money and Mm -hmm. what kind of support to get and we um applied for like um what do you call them grants Grants. yeah grants thank you that word um we got grants and we had churches help us out Mm -hmm. and i mean it was amazing how he provided my 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 thought my theory on this is that if people are approached and they're told we're thinking about adoption would you support this i mean who would not want to be behind something like that well, and one one neat thing about it too is that if more, when there's more awareness of it mm-hmm. in, in terms of the opportunity, then it allows people to have a way of being faithful. Yeah. Also, so if if nobody's doing adoption because it's too expensive, then nobody has the uh, the opportunity to have a hand in Care adopting the if they're not called to it yeah. specifically. Yeah. yeah. Um, okay. All right. Good. Second one. Uh, go ahead. Eric. I was going to say with with just to add <laughs> add to that, but those uh, especially the first one with Andrew. That thirty-seven thousand dollars that we started his adoption in two thousand eight, as the recession was hitting and everybody's wow. giving went yeah, down. Yeah. So God provided all that. We always had exactly what we needed every step of the way. It didn't come in in one lump sum, but mm-hmm. we just we just said, God, you've called us into us, so here's our need, and and He would just provide in miraculous ways. And there are so. grant, like she said, grants. We didn't know mm-hmm. as much about them the first adoption, the second adoption. We applied for fourteen grants, and we got nine of them. Wow. Twenty-six thousand wow. dollars mm-hmm. worth of grants. That's amazing. There's money out there. Yeah. 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 The other objection is I can't love this child as my own since they don't share my blood. What would you say to someone who is hesitant because of that? I would say there's definitely different challenges um, just because sometimes when you look at your own biological blood children mm-hmm. you can say oh that's like me i did mm-hmm. that when i was little and so it's like or that's easy Jay. yeah or oh my goodness yeah, you're yeah. just like your dad she is so excited <laughs> i'm sure she does so it, there is a little bit of that but it's not ever to say that that child isn't your own or that it doesn't feel like mm-hmm. that child is your own there's just different struggles that you have um even with like a giant teenage boy that's bigger than me he's my son mm-hmm. and i feel the same mm-hmm. way about him and my two-year-old as i do my six-year-old yeah. and my eight-year-old because when you start taking taking care of them, it's the same. The mm-hmm. bonding process is the same. You're getting up in the middle of the night with little ones. You're mm-hmm. feeding them bottles. Um, you're tending to their cries. and <coughs> You're changing them and bathing them and feeding them and loving them and 
having conversations, it's the same. Mm -hmm. The way that you parent them is the same. And now they bring different things to the table, Mm -hmm. but every child has different needs they Mm -hmm. bring to the table. So the emotional side of it too is, um, is something that you, you take for granted. Um, but it, it's, I think there's a goodness to the challenge of it, um, to be able to love something that God said is, is lovely, even if it's not always an emotional connection mm-hmm. that's there mm-hmm. on the on the front end of it. Um, one of the things I think the article that you you had us read uh, made the comment about was the idea of of uh, not doing it because the emotion is there first, mm-hmm. but doing it because this is this is good and God calls it something that's good. Mm-hmm. And so by loving God, you love this good this good reality, um, and the emotions come afterwards. Mm-hmm. Um, so you you kind of learn to love differently mm-hmm. and, yeah. and so yeah. it's a it's a good way though to see this is how god treats us yeah and, and we're commanded in what james uh four one five one to rescue orphans mm-hmm. um and to care for orphans and i i and when we're obedient god i believe gives us gives us the desire and the love for it but it's a, again it's a practical thing these they, we're not saying oh don't feel this way i think this is what everyone who's considering adoption uh has to wrestle through and and we're not talking you out of this but just helping you to get some perspective the third one is it's hard it's going to be hard and of course you're going to say it is it is to add to that as well i mean it's i usually compare parenting is closer to marriage than Mm -hmm. it is anything else to where you're you're committed to this and uh you know it there there are days when we don't like each other Mm -hmm. but but we're committed to the relationship and you know, in adoption, uh, in taking them on as your own, you would, if you had a biological child that was born to you naturally, uh, and then discovered there was something, an issue with them, mm-hmm. uh, a special need of some type, you wouldn't say, "Well, I wasn't prepared for this. Yeah, I'm out of yeah, here." You, yeah, would, you would say, yeah. "No, this is this is what I've got. I'm, we've got to figure this out and make mm-hmm. it work." And it's the yeah. same. It's the same way with with adoption. Is is you're go- there's going to be surprises in this, things mm-hmm. that you didn't see, and uh, <coughs> your 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 covenant commitment to this child is is we're in this for the long game and, mm-hmm. and we're we're gonna we're gonna figure out a way through this to see you come to optimal health and and for our family to to come around you in that and and serve you in that so well and the, the idea even of the, the child is adopted and then that's that is simply a past tense expression of how of, yeah. of the relationship yeah they're now your child yeah mm-hmm. and they're so, an heir yeah yeah and so the, the idea of of once once the adoption is finalized then there's not like a we continue to think of them as the adopted ones yeah. right it's it, yeah and, and caution others to not think that either i made the mistake a few times to say well how many of your own of your own yeah. do you have mm-hmm. uh they're all my own right mm-hmm. even exactly. the adopted yeah. ones yeah. Yeah. and again theologically that's the beauty of uh, us being adopted Mm-hmm. into God's family yeah. as we are a son as much as Jesus is yeah. a son to, yeah. to the Father. Back to the whole the gospel aspect of this is, um, you know, um, God the Father loved us when we were not his own, when we mm-hmm. were when we were mm-hmm. at odds with him and looked nothing like him and acted nothing like wow. him and, 
yeah. didn't fit in and, and you know and that's and I think as we follow the Lord in adoption he releases that grace you know the uh, Romans he says he sheds his love abroad in our hearts mm-hmm. through the Holy Spirit and so it's it's not really even our love it's it's expressing the love of the Father mm-hmm. for this child and, and working and moving in his grace and power as he as he does that. yeah I read this this morning and let me read this and then just see if you have any other comments and then we'll wrap up due to sin we were all born as spiritual orphans the only person ever born who was not a spiritual orphan was Jesus. God believed in our adoption so much that he sent that same Jesus, his son, to die on a cross for our sins so that our adoption would be possible. We are adopted or placed as a son or daughter when we receive the gift of salvation through Jesus Christ. Understanding our own adoption through Christ helps us realize that the adoption of orphan children on this earth is a response to God's adoption of us. Mm-hmm. I think that's really the, the heart of the message that I, I want to convey through this. And it's, uh, it's a lot of what we've talked about. Any closing thoughts? Covered like it all? The, I liked what you read, so I'll just... Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> well, well it's, not, I'll, it's not original with me. I'll put the link on the uh, website. Well, this, this was really, really good, guys. It was encouraging to me, and I know will be to a number who will be listening uh, to this. So thanks for taking the time. Thanks for what you've done as well. You know, bless, bless you for your commitment to Christ and your willingness to be obedient, to step out in this way and trust that this will be uh, an example to many others as well. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Well, there you have it. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode of Before You Quit. If you have any comments or questions about anything we've talked about today on this Before You Quit podcast about adoption, you can email me at mitch at beforeyouquit.us. And of course, you can go to our website, www.beforeyouquit.us, to listen to many other podcasts that I've done on a number of different topics related to resilience and ministry. And so I'd encourage you to do that even now and uh, check that out. So until next time, stay encouraged and be courageous because serving Jesus is worth all that hard stuff that comes with it. And remember what we're told in 1 Corinthians 15, 57 through 58. But thanks be to God. He gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give, your, always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. So until next time, stay encouraged.